What up, world? Welcome back to Locked On Blazers. I am Mike Richmond of NBC Sports and the world at large. It was a very, very good night to be a tall person in Brooklyn tonight. Uh, I guess maybe a tall person wearing red and black, not a tall person wearing the home uniform. Yusuf Nurkic, Ennis Cantor, both of them just dominated the Brooklyn Nets centers. Uh, two skinny dudes for the Nets could not handle two thick dudes for the Blazers. Yusuf Nurkic in 28 minutes had 27 points, 12 rebounds, 10 of 15 from the floor, made 7 of 8 free throws. And Ennis Cantor, a near-perfect game, well, perfect from the field game, in his debut with the Blazers. 18 points, 9 rebounds, 5 of those on the offensive end, 8 of 9 from the field. The only shot he missed was a 3. Uh, he was really, really good. Within a minute of stepping on the court, he's snaring an offensive board. He's spinning past Ed Davis. Um, Ed Davis really couldn't handle Cantor. I thought that was uh, I thought that was an important part of sort of maybe uh, what we're going to see from, from teams is do they have a, a backup big man that can handle Cantor? But uh, I thought it was telling that on the night that this was sort of Cantor's debut, what it's going to look like with this new burly offensive center that's going to buoy the Blazers' second unit and be the sort of an anchor for a for a team that for a, a group that has maybe struggled to have consistent offense outside of just Jake Lehman making shots. And Yusuf Nurkic reminded the world that uh, he's still pretty good too, or at least he reminded Blazers that um, they have another option up front. And I. To me, this this says a lot of things, and I'll get a little bit more into the game uh, in a second. But what I think this is important because it allows the Blazers to be uh, unique for the last twenty four games now of the regular season. There's just not too many teams that are going to throw a two hundred eighty five pound seven footer in with the starting group and then take him out and replace him with a 285-pound seven-footer. They're not going to play any minutes together. That's insane. Uh, I think I've talked about this on multiple podcasts. Anyone who floated that idea uh, is not paying attention to how the NBA works or has not watched Ennis Kanzer or Yusuf Nurkic try to chase fast people around the court. It just was a weird weird thought. Uh, I know it was floated because, you know, NBA 2K exists and people love video games, but that was never going to happen. They're going to split their minutes. I think the minute breakdown will be not too dissimilar from what we saw tonight. Uh, this is basically what I predicted if you listened to my earlier podcast this week, that Ennis Cantor was pegged for 20 minutes off the bench. Actually, that might not, not have been on the podcast. I might have written that on uh, NBC Sports, but hopefully you're consuming a ton of Mike G. Rich content in both the written form and the audio form. <laughs> I appreciate you if you are. But yeah, I Ennis Kanzer played 20 minutes off the bench. I think that's what he's he's pegged for, basically. 20 minutes, 22 minutes, uh, I think is probably right around his max. I think that's a reasonable uh, a reasonable assumption. And, you know, if he's going to have 18 and 9 in 22 minutes, it doesn't really matter. That's a hell of a game. Uh, but Nurkic, you know, he's been trending right around sort of that just shy of 30, minute, 30 minutes each night. Uh, he, he finished with 28 tonight. I think that's... I think that's pretty reasonable. I think that's what you can expect from both those guys minute-wise. I think we saw sort of what they're going to look like. Uh, I think that was uh, – I think Terry Stotts tipped his hand a little bit on on the rotation. Obviously, Zach Collins, Myers Leonard, and I guess if you're into it, Scalabissier did not play. So your 10-man rotation was the normal starters, and then Lehman, Hood, Curry, and Evan Turner off the bench alongside Ennis Cantor. Uh Turner only played eight minutes, went 0 for 5, was 
kind of kind of quiet, but it, this was just a game that was about the big guys, um, because early in the game, uh, CJ McCollum couldn't get it going. He finished with 21, but he struggled early to start, and Damian Lillard was. Uh, you know, he was listed as questionable early on coming into this game early in the week. He, he tweaked his ankle out of practice. Uh, but then by shoot around this morning on Thursday morning, he was upgraded to uh, available to play. But he just struggled. Um, five for 21 from the floor, 13 points, eight rebounds, eight assists. Uh, flirted with that triple-double he still can't quite get. But, uh, you know, the he just doesn't have many games like this. Uh, over the last three seasons, he's had just eight such games where he scored under 15 points and shot under 30% from the field. Surprisingly, the Blazers have gone three and five in those games. I would have guessed that the record was a lot worse. Um, he just hasn't, he, this is the second one that he's had this year, a loss to Memphis earlier this season. Uh, the Blazers, he had a similar game. Uh, that, that was back in, on December 12th, but he just doesn't have a lot of these games where he, um, where he couples sort of lack of volume scoring and lack of efficiency. He just, uh, this is a rare night and the Blazers being able to get a win on the road when their best player struggled really speaks to sort of how valuable that, that uh, Cantor Nurkic pairing can be or, or duo can be. I guess they're not a pairing because they don't, they're not going to play together. But um, I, like I said, I think uh, just being able to throw a massive center with offensive skill and then a massive center with offensive skill back-to-back off the bench, it's really valuable. Uh, at some point, Cantor's defense is going to get tested. Uh, but, you know, if he can give it to teams like he did tonight, I think that kind of washes out some of his defensive shortcomings, at least a little bit. To some extent, it can. Um, but... Uh, particularly during the regular season. I think the playoffs will present their own set of challenges, and we will talk about that in a couple months when we get there. But at least during the regular season, just having two big guys is so unique in this era. Um, obviously, Jared Allen couldn't handle Yusuf and Ed Davis for as much as Blazer fans love him. And he had a nice little game, 15 and 10, but he did commit five fouls, and he just couldn't handle He just couldn't handle Cantor. It just wasn't strong enough, wasn't big enough. Cantor spun past him, just went at him in the post. Uh, maybe more than I even thought he would. Um, just like direct post ups. I didn't. I, I thought that was a little bit surprising how many how much we saw of him. Uh, but I don't want to get. I don't. I don't want this to get lost in the uh, in this game. Uh, Jake Lehman wasn't great. Three of six, six points. Did block three shots because he's really using his athleticism better on defense than he has. And Rodney Hood, two of nine, four points, quiet offensive night for him. Both of those guys were well into the negatives and plus minus. But the Blazers much maligned two starting forwards. Not on this podcast, because I've said it a million times, Al Farouk Aminu is the Blazers' fourth best player. Even with the addition of Ines Cantor, Al Farouk Aminu is the Blazers' fourth best player. He had 11 and 10, four of six from the floor. He was a plus 34 in a game that the Blazers won by 14. And Mo Harkless, that same Mo Harkless that you have been calling to get the hell out of the starting lineup and maybe out of the state, was balling. 13, eight boards, four dimes. Uh, he wasn't super efficient, 5-12 on the floor and one from five from three. But Mo Harkless plus 32 and took 12 shots in a game. Uh, I think um, just him being aggressive is valuable. He has so many nights when he's kind of floating anonymously. So just to see him get after it and be aggressive, I think was, I think was really, uh, I think it's it's a good sign, and it's a good sign that the Blazers can uh, sort of that he had something, you know, after a long layoff, and and knowing that maybe his spot 
could be in flux. You know, that starting spot could be in flux. Uh, this is this is the beginning of a uh, tough road trip. We're going to talk more about that road trip in the up- upcoming segments. Preview a couple couple games, and uh, but before we get there, I want to tell you guys that uh, if you are a owner of a smart speaker or have a car that has a smart speaker, you can listen to Locked On Blazers just by telling your speaker, "Play Locked On Blazers." So, uh, you know, if you uh, if you're in your kitchen cooking dinner, you want to listen to a podcast, you hop in your car, you got to commute. Just tell your uh, smart speaker, play Lockdown Blazers. You can listen to a lot more of this podcast every day. Welcome back. I think uh, this was a big win tonight for a variety of reasons. Um, First of all, this is just the start of a massive, massive trip for the Blazers. Seven games on the road out of the All-Star break, 13 days. Or seven games on the road, 13 days. Um, (laughs) Maybe a little bit more if you count that they all met in Brooklyn on Tuesday back from their various... Uh, vacations or all-star commitments, but a long time in a row, two weeks on the road. And I I think this is a really big win because to me, when you look at this schedule, this was kind of a a real toss-up win. This was a a win that if you're going to go four and three as opposed to three and four, you needed to win this game in Brooklyn. Uh, Obviously, Saturday morning, the next one on the trip, and we will talk about that game coming up is the Philadelphia 76ers after that Monday against a bad Cleveland team. But uh, that's, a, that's a really important one because you've got to win the easy ones. And then Wednesday and Friday of next week, Boston and Toronto. And then to wrap it up at Charlotte, at Memphis, like I have mentioned in the before, I always think having the easiest games of any road trip on the back half doesn't do anyone any favors, at least uh, not the road team, not that traveling team, because you're tired you're anxious to get home. You've been away and in living out of your suitcase. And even if you're living in a five-star hotel, it's not your mansion that you're used to. If you're an NBA player, uh, you're not sleeping in your own bed. You're not seeing your family, your your wife, your kid, your girl, your kids, your girlfriend, all those things. Um, and having sort of the back half of that be the, the quote-unquote easier games against the Hornets and, and the Grizzlies is super challenging. But this was a this was an important win because. Uh, if the Blazers are sort of going to be battling for that four seed, that three seed in the West, they've got to take care of business in games like this. Uh, this win improved their their road record to a not particularly impressive, but you'll take it eleven and fifteen. Uh, Terry Stotts talks about this that when he views a fifty win team, he always likes to think you win about thirty home games. You win 20 road games, and that's how you get to 50 wins. So uh, in the march towards 50 wins and the march toward, march, toward, march towards home court advantage, beating a team like the Nets, who is who are, you know, they're right at 500, but they're tough. They're battling for a playoff spot themselves at six in the East. This is this is a big step forward. This is, a, this is kind of a important not important game uh it would only it would be much more significant if they lost but they found a way to win um and for a team that hasn't found many easy road wins i think this is a big one and uh, we'll just take a quick whip around the nba and i uh the bottom half of the west some teams lost sacramento lost to golden state tonight houston lost uh so the Blazers get a game on the rockets to give themselves a little more space in that force in that fourth spot so this was an important win because uh, every game is going to be magnified down the stretch of this schedule, or d- down the stretch. I mean, this last 25 games, it, it's going to be uh, 
it's going to be big. And the Blazers won this game while doing some things that that usually portend to a loss for this team. You know, they had less than 20 assists. Some of that is because if you keep throwing the ball into dudes who post up, you just lose assists because of how long they hold the ball and how much how many times they dribble. Direct a direct post feed to Cantor doesn't lead to assists, but less than twenty assists that has generally been a problem for the Blazers this season. They shot seven of thirty two from three when they've shot under thirty uh, percent from three this season. They've really really struggled, and they only got to the free throw line sixteen times. So all of the sort of things that have set them apart in games that they've done well. They're not a big free throw team, but even under 20 is, is, is few for them. Uh, when they've obviously the, the poor shooting, they, they're if you're into numbers, which you know I am, their effective field goal percentage under 50%. That's usually not a not a winner for the Blazers. And the low assist numbers again. I mean, that's I think that's more it has to do with style of play than maybe like an indictment of, of what their offense was doing. But uh, to win a game when the sort of the clear, their sort of clear advantages weren't clear. You know, you didn't have a big game from Dame or CJ. Obviously, Nurk went nuts, but um, and he didn't sort of do those little statistical check marks that have helped them throughout uh, the year this year and and find a way to win on the road against a pretty tough Brooklyn team. I think this is a significant win. I call it a toss up going in. Um, I th- this is a big one, uh, maybe a big one that feels like a small one, but a big, a big one nonetheless. Uh, Final segment, we're going to talk a little bit about the next game coming up against a Sixers team that's missing a big man and could be uh, good news for use of Nurkic and Ennis Cantor. Welcome back. This is still Lockdown Blazers. I'm still Mike Richmond of NBC Sports and the world at large. The Blazers on Saturday morning. If you're on the West Coast, this is some breakfast basketball for you. They're going to play a game at uh, 10 a.m. on Saturday morning. That's fun times. Uh against the 76ers. The 76ers, of course, are, uh, maybe not of course, but the 76ers are without Joel Embiid, who had an MRI in his knee and is out is day-to-day. He's out for a week. The Sixers are coming off a 106-102 victory over the Miami Heat. Uh, they won tonight. Boban Marjanovic, your boy Boban, everybody's favorite. 19-12, and 12, starting in place with Joel Embiid. He became the second fastest uh active player to reach a thousand points in about just over 1500 minutes less than 1600 minutes matching uh or the the first the fastest active player to a thousand points of course Joel Embiid so um I think we'll see a little bit of Boban but but uh behind Boban and you know he's he's an offensive player like he gets buckets but he's he's slow and lumbering and I his giantness really helps um around the rim he he's good at being big, but um, he's out there for offense. Like that, that's his real skills. That he can score around the rim. He's incredibly efficient, and he's good at being seven foot four. Um, he had he had five turnovers in their game tonight, and I think he can um, he can slow down a guy a little bit, like Yusuf Nurkic one on one. But if you put him in a kajillion pick and rolls, like I'm sure the Blazers will do, he gets exposed a little bit. There's a reason why he's not a big minutes guy. Uh, some of it is just conditioning. Some of it is um, that he just, you know, he just cannot guard NBA athletes for that long. And he had a really nice night tonight, you know, playing against Hassan Whiteside. Uh, but without uh, Joel Embiid, the Blazers or the Sixers are really, uh, 
really thin in that uh, in that front court. Obviously, they're big with Ben Simmons and and Tobias Harris and Jimmy Butler, and and it, as long as those guys and JJ Redick are on the court, this team's really talented. They can they can beat teams. Uh, they're they're still pretty good, um, but. Other than uh, Boban Marjanovic, they're playing either Mike Scott at center a little bit um, in slightly smaller lineups, at least tonight, and Jonah Bolden, who I think is a nice story, a 23-year-old rookie who was a second-round pick in 2017 and was a very good player in uh, in playing in Serbia and playing European basketball. And, and you know, he's he's fine. He's probably a, uh, a sort of a career rotation level player in the NBA. I, I imagine that's where it where it shakes out for our boy Jonah Bolden. But he's not a he's not a starting or he's not, you know, he's not a this this he's not going to be a star in this league. He's not going to be a long term starter in this league. And the Blazers, with the size that they have and what what it looks like they're going to go to, this is the type of team, the type of matchup they can really take advantage of. Uh Yusuf Nurkic, even with Joel Embiid healthy, has had uh some big games or one very monster game against the Sixers, one of the best games of his career uh, back in 2016 when he first joined the Blazers. Um, and generally speaking, the Blazers have struggled against the size of Philly, but um, with a little bit less size, a little bit less athleticism, uh, I don't think the Blazers have a great plan to how to guard a team that big. Just when, when you have Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum in your starting lineup and you're going to play them 35 minutes a night, they don't have a plan, but Without Embiid, this really weakens them. I could see this being another big game for Cantor uh, because just what that backup front line looks like for, for Philly. And I could see it being another big night for Nurkic because, like I said, a ton of pick and rolls against Boban. As big as he is and as tough as he is, uh, he's, he's just not a great defensive player. Uh the Sixers have beat teams recently by scoring a ton of points. They are not a good defensive team. They were uh, last year. This was an elite-level defensive team, but trading away... Uh, Robert Covington has really, really changed them. They just don't have the depth, and they don't have the they don't have the players um, to really, really guard teams on the perimeter. Now they might get there because they're still working in Tobias Harris, and they might just not play too many bench lineups as we get down the stretch of the season. They might just roll with with those guys. But uh, you know, a team that plays Mike Scott and T.J. McConnell a bunch of minutes is going to have uh, some issues on defense. Uh, I think we could see a little bit more. Jonathan Simmons in this game. I think we could even see some some of those times when uh, Ben Simmons plays point center in this game. But I expect uh, if you are um, looking for a sort of another big night from Cantor, some g- getting used to what we see from um, the Blazers' new center, I think uh, I think this could be I think this could be another big one for him. You know, he's going to be a big focal point of the offense. The Blazers got him here to use his strengths. Um, Obviously, there's there's some shot distribution issues going around on that second unit because uh, Seth Curry likes to put him up, but has been the kind of guy squeezed out for shots. Um, and Jake Lehman is not shy about putting him up either. But but the Blazers are gonna when Cantor's on the court, he's gonna get touches, he's gonna get shots. You know, if he's uh, if he's even sort of close to what he was, sort of in that eight of nine efficiency like he was against Brooklyn on. On Thursday, we're going to see another big night from him. So I, I, I would have before uh, the Joel Embiid injury news came out. I think this would have been a an important one to sort of look at and say, you know, this is a really tough game against a championship level team. Uh, Philly's still very good without Joel Embiid. I don't mean to imply that they're not, um, 
Ben Simmons and, and, and uh, Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris are a load. Uh, JJ Redick is having a phenomenal season. Somehow 13 years into his career, he's, he's um, as a, I'm a Carolina guy, so to see what an incredible pro he's kind of been over a decade bothers me a little bit, but he is really good, no doubt about it. Um, they're still a really good team, but this is not a championship-level team without Embiid. Embiid changes everything they, they do. He's he's uh, the linchpin of, 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 of that group. Um I think it'll be interesting to see how how, how Dame looks in this game. Um, they don't have a ton of perimeter defenders. Uh, if they put Jimmy on him the whole time, I, I think that would be an interesting matchup. Uh, and, and to see if Dame's ankle is right. Um, hard to say whether his ankle was bothering him in against Brooklyn, but you know, 5-21, 2 for 9 from deep. He was uh, fine in the plus-minus category, but not great in the uh, just, you know, just a, a rarely extremely inefficient night from him. Uh, so, you know, with a uh, a short a short flight to Philly and a, and a day off to rest, I'm sure the Blazers aren't going to do much on Friday. And Damon Lillard certainly will just get in some rehab. Whether he can, uh, you know, make sure he's he's fully healthy and ready to go and kind of bounce back offensively in this game, I think this will be a good one. If Blazers start two and zero on this road trip, that would be a a heck of a start because it's going to be a really brutal one. I've said it a million times. I'll probably say it again next week after the Blazers play a couple more road games. But uh, this seven gamer could. It could determine a lot about where we think of them. If we think of this as a solidified home court advantage type team, or if we think of them as a bottom half of the West, and who would you rather play between Oklahoma City and Denver type of uh, type of call in the playoffs? Um, that's probably going to do it for me tonight. Like I always say, and you guys have been really good about this. If you have any questions or comments, hit me up on Twitter at Mike G Rich. Uh, I know I've had some audio troubles, uh, sort of getting the levels right, but I think I've finally figured that out. We probably won't have any. Hopefully, we won't have any more tech issues. Knock on wood. Going forward, um, I appreciate you guys listening. You can find all my written work at NBC Sports Northwest. Um, hopefully, we will get another Jason Quick episode, or maybe two next week, as the Blazers are still on the road and uh, and. Uh, Perhaps we can get him back onto guest. I know you guys enjoyed that episode. We'll do more of them soon. Like I said, hit me up on Twitter, Mike D. Rich. Appreciate you guys listening. Peace.